I've got a question for you this morning. It's a personal question, but that's what I do. Here's the question. I've asked it to you before. Won't be anything new. The question is, do you love God? Now think about it. Don't rush into your answer. Think about the lifestyle that you have chosen to live. Think about your level of commitment to God. Think about your level of obedience to His will and to His way. Think about His kingdom principles that He clearly articulates through His Word on a daily basis if we're paying attention. Okay, you got all that? Now let me ask you again. You love God? See, I'm asking this question in the context of the great commandment. In Matthew chapter 22, it says, well, well, it says, (laughs) what does that say? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Do you love God like that? You see, that is the level of love and commitment that God is calling us to. That is the level of love and commitment that God has created us for. According to our owner's manual... We function best when we love God with all of our hearts. According to our owner's manual, we are at optimal proficiency when we love God with all of our hearts, with everything we have. See, anything less than that, brothers and sisters, is incomplete, unfulfilling, frustrating, and even often painful. God created you and me. Yes, He did. God created you and me to love Him and obey Him and follow Him with every cell in our body. Straining in His direction. You see, my heart was created to beat For God. (laughs) My lungs were created to be filled with the breath of God. My brain was created to be filled with thoughts of God and potential in God. My eyes were created to be fixed on Jesus. We were created. To love God with all we have. Strain in His direction. Actually, it's, it's, it's living our lives in the direction of God. So much so that people notice. <laughs> people see that there's something different about me. It's not that I 
want to be different. It's not that I long to be different. It's just when I love God with all my heart, soul, and mind, I'm different. As I'm straining in His direction with everything I have. Now, do you love God like that? (laughs) What I just said, all that. Does that describe you even close? Does that describe how you feel about God? Pastor Chuck, come on now. Okay, all right. Straining in his direction? Oh man, that, that's that's a bit much, Pastor Chuck. You know, as far as far as I know, as far as I'm concerned, Pastor Chuck, that's over the top. I love God, Pastor Chuck, but straining? Come on. I can see that. I can see that it might seem to be over the top to some. I can see that there are other interests and things that come up in life that are as important or more important than God, at least how we live. I understand that. But, but let me just say this. Even though it sounds a bit over the top, here's, here's the deal. I am concerned. I, let me just say it this way. I am heartbroken at the level of commitment and love that we see in the body of Christ. Aren't you? (laughs) Don't anybody say anything. You see, we are far too comfortable in our relationship with God. We are, far too mu- we are far too much in a routine with our relationship with God. I believe with all my heart that this is our year. I believe that 2011 for the, the body of Christ called Grace Point, I believe that God wants to do something incredible for us, in us, through us this year. This is your year. This is our year. Your year. The best year spiritually you've ever had. And let me ask you, why not? I believe God wants to do something for us, in us, and through us this year that we have never seen. But if that's going to happen, if that's going to happen, you are going to have to love God but with all your heart. You see, brothers and sisters, I was thinking this the end of last year. I was thinking about this year coming up back then, coming up. I was thinking about what we need. thinking about our situation, the, the, the situation that you would find us in as you look around. You know what I saw? Some of our families are falling apart. Some of our children are growing up and choosing other pathways. Our nation is becoming more and more immoral as the weeks go by. Our world seems like it's imploding. We need God. I need God. The only thing that came to my mind is, I need 
God in a new, fresh way. Are you as sick as I am of doing it the old way, the this way we've always done it? Are you as tired of that as I am? I don't know how that's going to look. But I'm saying, bring it on, God, because I need you. Will you say that with me? I need you. Let me ask you a personal question. Do you love God? Because you see, that's the only thing that's going to turn things around. In your life, in the life of your family, in this body of Christ, in our world, the only thing that's going to turn the tide, that's going to turn things around, is when you begin to love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. You know, we do have a choice. In fact, as you know, life is a series of choices. A series of choices that you could say leads us in one way or another. I've heard this phrase over the past few years. Maybe you've heard it too. Elections have consequences. You ever heard somebody say that? Elections have consequences. Well, of course they do. They're decisions. Every single decision, every choice we make has consequences, brothers and sisters. Our choice as the body of Christ, our choice as a follower of God, as someone created in the image of God, our choice is clear and it's pretty simple. Here it is in a nutshell. Love God or go to hell. What did he say? My mother was here. She'd soak my mouth out. What did he say? I said, love God or go to hell. Now, wait a minute, Pastor Chuck. Whoa, 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 whoa. Is it that black and white? You know, the older I get, the more I believe it is. The more I believe it is that black and white. And we've clouded it. We've we, we kind of made it, made it gray. We said, well, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. This, there's, there's a way, there's a, there's a narrow way. Yes, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's not if or, or that or, or not. It's, not. it's not like I can't fudge every now and then. And, and we, 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 we go over to the gray area. Brothers and sisters, it's love God or go to hell. That's what it is. Every choice we make points us in one direction or the other. Every choice we make leads us in one way or the other if you take it to its extent. Matthew 5, 6, and 7 is called the Sermon on the Mount. In that sermon, Jesus is telling us what it should look like to be kingdom people here on earth. He's telling us this is what it looks like to live for God, to live following Christ in our world. You ought to read it. Matter of fact, read it once a week. The Sermon on the Mount. Jesus telling us this is the way it is, the way it's supposed to be. In that sermon, listen to what he says toward the end of the sermon in Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. It says this, Matthew chapter 7. Verses 13 and 14. Enter through the narrow gate, 
For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. It seems to me what Jesus is saying is God's way or hell. It seems to me that what Jesus is saying, that that we either live lives on the straight and narrow, there's a few that find it, or we live lives on the broad way that leads to destruction. The choices you make today have immediate consequences and eternal consequences. Love God or you know what I said before. I was talking to a friend just this week, by the way, Friday morning, I was talking to a friend of mine, and he told me that he was reading a survey some time ago that was done with Christians living all over the country, a big survey done some years ago, just asking Christians basic questions to see what their response would be. One of the many questions on the survey was, do you believe in hell? The participants of the survey, Christians, I might add, 9% of them said, yes, I believe that there is a hell. 9% of the Christians in this large survey said, yes, I believe there is a place called hell. Do you know what that probably means? (laughs) You know what that means? It probably means that sitting here this morning, There are a fair amount of people that don't believe in hell. How about you? That's very interesting to me. So I decided this morning that I was going to spend a few minutes talking about hell. But honestly, didn't want to. Don't like to. Doesn't excite me. But I couldn't get away from it. So I'm going to just spend a few minutes talking about hell. You know, in my line of work... They tell you you're not supposed to do this. Not good. Because you know you might have visitors that day. Visitor comes in, unsuspecting visitor, maybe there's a few here, come in, sit down, and the pastor preaches on hell. And they get scared away. Well, at the risk of freaking someone out or scaring them away, hold on, here it goes. First of all, The first point this morning is hell is real. Hell exists. Remember the old timers used to say there's a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. There is a place. There is something called hell, brothers and sisters, no matter what you believe. It is a clear, prominent, biblical teaching. There is a hell. The word translated hell in Hebrew or Greek appears in the Bible over 60 times. It is a prominent biblical teaching. For example, in Luke chapter 15, Jesus is telling his disciples about this rich man that dies and is buried and ends up in hell, in torment. Luke chapter 16, look it up. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 22, listen to what he says in in Matthew chapter 5. 
But I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. And anyone who says to his brother, Raka, now that's an Aramaic term of contempt, is answerable to the Sanhedrin. But anyone who says you fool will be in danger of the fire of hell. Jesus believed in and talked about something called hell. Now, you would think that if anybody knew what hell was, it'd be Jesus. The Apostle Peter said this in 2 Peter, For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but sent them to hell, putting them in gloomy dungeons for, to be held for judgment, on and on and on, Peter talked about and wrote about hell. The first thing I want you to understand this morning, and I'm, I'm really sorry that this is true, hell is real. Second thing this morning, I knew I'd have to move fast. I knew I couldn't spend too much time on these points because who wants to hear about hell? The second thing this morning is hell is far worse than you can ever imagine. Have you ever heard somebody say something like this? Oh, I'm going through hell. You know, my life is just hell. Well, I guarantee you that their life isn't even close to what the real hell is. Listen to what Jesus says to the disciples in Mark chapter 9. This amazes me. Mark chapter 9, starting with verse 43. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life maimed than, for, than, than with two hands to go into hell, where the fire never goes out. And if your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life crippled than to have two feet and be thrown into hell. And if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into hell. Jesus thought hell was so bad that you should do something drastic to avoid it. You should do anything to flee from it. In other words, we can't even imagine. Hell has been called chains of darkness, lake of fire, place of torment, place where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth, and much more. Hell is real, brothers and sisters, and it's far worse than you can ever imagine. Third thing about hell is, hell is forever. Hell is forever. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 says they will be punished with everlasting destruction. Revelation chapter 20 verse 9 says this. Verse 9 and 10 says this. They marched across the breadth of the earth and surrounded the camp of God's people, the city he loves, but fire came down from heaven and devoured them. And the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur where the beast and the false prophets have been thrown. They will be tormented day and night forever and ever and ever and ever. It never ends. See, the choices you make today have immediate 
and long-term eternal consequences. Hell is real. It is worse than you can ever imagine, and it's forever. Last thing about hell this morning. Somebody say amen. Move on, Pastor Chuck. I'm trying to. Hell can, should, and must be avoided. Hell can, should, and must be avoided. How? Love God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Love God in such a new, fresh way that it changes the direction of your life. You know why they call it the great commandment? The great commandment? Because it's a non-negotiable. It is God's plan. It is the way he wants us to live. It's how he created us to love him with all of our heart that our life would be in his direction. That's how he planned for it. Hell is something that can, should, and must Be avoided at all costs. How? Love God with all your heart. What I'm trying to say this morning is that loving God like that changes everything, including your eternal destiny. Love God... Or go to hell. Someone might say, you know, Pastor Chuck, if God truly was a God of love, if God really did love people like the Bible says he does, he wouldn't send people to a terrible place like hell, would he? Well, my answer is no. God doesn't send people to hell. People send themselves to hell. People choose their own way to hell. God makes it clear up front, from the very beginning, God makes it clear. You walk this path, this way, and it leads to life abundant here on earth and life everlasting with me for eternity. He makes it clear up front from the very beginning. You live your life this way. It is the road that leads to destruction. Not only that, and you know this is true, he puts signposts along the way for us. Danger, danger, danger. There's destruction that way. Turn around, flee, and go in the other direction. Have you ever had a sign from God in your life? I have. Didn't, I didn't pay attention to some of them. I just blew him off and went right by them, and he was right. Danger. He was right. You see, God's up front with us. He loves us that much. Not only does he love us enough to tell us up front the way it is, not only does he love us so much that he puts signposts in the way that says, be careful, don't go that way, but he loves us so much that his son died so we could be forgiven. His son came 
and had the victory over death, hell, and the grave. There is a way, brothers and sisters, to live a life right now of victory and purpose in the kingdom of God. God has provided everything we need to love Him with all our heart, soul, and mind. And if God is going to give us the year that I think and hope and pray that He does, it's going to mean that you are going to have to love Him with all your heart. This morning... I want to say it's time to turn from our wicked ways. Pastor, Pastor Chuck, we're the church. It's time that we turn from our wicked ways and run to God and embrace Him and say, God, I love you. I need you. Come, Holy Spirit. Jesus said, In Luke chapter 21, verse 36. Be always on the watch and pray that you may be able to escape all that is about to happen and that you may be able to stand before the Son of Man. (laughs) You know, it sounds a lot like this. If my people (laughs) who are called by my name will humble themselves And pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and heal their land. This is our year. God wants to move right here in this place. He always has wanted to move. But there's something I can't put my finger on it. There's something that I sense, that I feel that God wants to do this year. And He wants to do it in your life and mine. He wants to do it in this body of Christ. And I am excited. I can't wait to see what He wants to do. And I don't want to miss it. Do you? You know what I did this week? I did a little study on some of the huge, powerful revivals that happened through the centuries. You know, you can get on the internet and see all that stuff. You know what God laid on my heart? As I listened to the stories of the people that were there, there was this Strong sense in my heart that I wanted that too. I want to be part of that. I want God to pour out His Spirit in this place so that none of us will ever be the same. Start with me, Lord. Start with me. God wants to move in this place. And if He's going to do it, you are going to have to love Him With all of your heart. You are going to have to make some choices. You are going to have to change your lifestyle. You are going to have to fix your eyes on Jesus. You are going to have to allow God to change you from the inside out. Me too. 
We need you. Help us to love you with every cell in our body. Help us to strain toward you and live our lives in your direction, seeking you with all of our hearts. And the promise is, brothers and sisters, if we seek him with all of our hearts, we will find him. (laughs) What might happen? What might happen if every person sitting in this place today I know we're down a little today. I mean, who would have... Well, never mind. I know we're down a little bit today, but if every person sitting here today would say, Lord, I'm going to seek you with all of my heart. The promise is that we'll all find him. And when we all find him, (laughs) revival. Simply put, brothers and sisters, loving God with all your heart, soul, and mind changes everything. This is our year. Why not start today? It's love God or Now, forget that. It's love God. Now, I take a chance here this morning. People get nervous when I do stuff like this. Maybe there's somebody here this morning, right here, that says, you know, this morning, Pastor Chuck, I'm going to get up where I'm sitting, and I'm going to come and kneel at the altar because I want God, I want God to know that I'm all in. I want God to know that I'm going to make some changes, whatever that is. And by the way, I need to make some changes. I I, I want God to know that I want His Spirit to be poured out among this place, and I want to do my part if it kills me. Anyone like this? Anyone like that? Just want to stand up and come?